أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين حمدا كثيرا مباركا فيه الصالحات الحمد لله حمدا خالدا مع خلوده والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا وحبيبنا وشفيعنا وقرة أعيننا محمد صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم تسليما كثيرا وبعد With Allah's grace and permission, tonight I would like to share with you a really important hadith saying of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam which constitutes a major life lesson for all of us. Something that we should remember for the rest of our time and something that we should be thinking of whenever we actually could. Since this is a traditional circle that we have, I insist on reading all those traditions. We are studying our sacred scripture. So I have to read those in Arabic language first. But then we will inshallah ta'ala look at the language of this hadith, if there is anything really, uh, to point out. And then we will try to go into the lessons of this hadith. And maybe tonight I'll try to make the halaqa shorter because I have quite a few things to do after as well. So let's read this hadith in Arabic. It is number 10 of this chapter and 104 of the entire book. An Anasin radiallahu ta'ala anhu an Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam aqal. Yatba'ul mayyita thalatha. Ahluhu wa maluhu wa amaluhu. Fayarji'u thnan wa yabqa wahid. يرجع أهله وماله ويبقى عمله متفق عليه. So it's a short hadith as you can hear. Anas رضي الله تعالى عنه reported the messenger of Allah Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم said three things follow a deceased person for the funeral and burial. It is the members of his or her family, their wealth and their deeds. Two of those three return and only one remains with the deceased, Al-Mayyid. The family, his family and possessions, wealth returns, doesn't follow him. And his deeds only remain with him in his or her grave. Muttafakun Ali, as we said, means that Imam al-Bukhari and Imam Muslim both recorded this hadith in their respective works, which really means that it is of soundest, of highest authenticity that we have. Now, let us look at the language of this hadith first and foremost. It is a relatively short hadith, and it's quite famous actually, uh, quite known to most of us. But nonetheless, maybe there will be just like one, uh, uh, one point just to, to mention, which is this verb, يَتْبَعُ الْمَيِّتَ ثَلَاثَةٌ So 
in Arabic language you can use this uh, verb which means following but here of course it doesn't mean literally that family members do usually uh, go after the deceased person or by their side or in front of them you know all the way to their burial site and witness the burial and help in the burial and then they leave whereas the wealth basically doesn't move really anywhere but what it is meant is that while this person is on this earth and they are being now carried on something or pushed on something basically still you assume like their wealth is still theirs under their name but once they are buried in the ground this person is now gone from this earth and no, none of his possessions basically belong to him anymore but of course the legal documentation can sometimes take a long time depends on how much of assets and wealth the person had so basically this is related to language it's not lit to be understood literally and secondly uh, we also need to understand like where is this following going to so we understand that what is meant here is a up to the grave and that's it nobody goes you know with their loved one in the grave and stay there for a long time yeah they go down two three people to lower the maid down and then after that they jump out and you start putting uh, the soil on the maid and that's it nobody is with the maid now in their grave they are on their own so clearly this term meant both of those things it's a symbolic interpretation that we need to assume here and secondly the following here is meant when the janaza basically is being followed to the grave site and and then the maid stays in their grave and their family and friends and everyone returns and all that they had that was registered under their name in this worldly life is finished that's what this term means in language and apart from this I can't really see anything else which is difficult it's pretty uh, straightforward hadith and all the terms are very common and, and, and we use them quite a lot and this hadith I have to say is quite known to all of you however there is one or two benefits that I would like to share with you or I just want to offer you a different perspective on how you could understand this hadith First, I want you to understand from this hadith that the Prophet ﷺ, out of his wisdom and his closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whatever he said, it was really precious piece of advice for us, for our lives. And this particular saying of the Prophet ﷺ is so precious, is so dear, that it makes, it makes us always think like what am I doing with my life? what am I doing with my wealth? with my children? with my family? where is this going to lead to? what it is that I need to really and truly invest in? and what it is that I can and only I can take with me when I leave this worldly life of mine? that is the kind of lesson and admonition that we take from this very short but very important saying of our beloved Prophet 
and the lesson couldn't be clearer you know any clearer than than what it is here the answer is none of us can carry anything with us the moment our soul leaves our body you know I know there are some funny interesting cultures and traditions so they stuff the coffin with things and some people put things in the grave and throw things and I know some cultures where they try to put something in the maids the deceased hand but they cannot hold anything I don't know how many of you actually washed a dead person or saw a dead person they can do nothing you know like sometimes depends on how they die the hand is not necessarily all the way stretched out the palms but even if it is if you try to put something in there they won't hold a few drops of water nothing they can't do anything there's no reaction as if they don't want to grab anything with them like they came to this dunya barefoot without any clothing nothing not carrying any pounds or dollars or gold gold bitcoins or golden coins nothing that they attached we were attached to our mom and then someone cut the cord and then we began crying and feeling like now we need our own nutrition etc etc but we had nothing and knew nothing so when we leave this dunya when we die we cannot carry anything with us like Sheikh Abdelakim said a couple of times now in his khutbas you know which bank account are we getting ready the Lloyds, the HSBCs, the Nightwest, blah blah blah, whatever banks there are in the world and you know constantly checking on those accounts and putting money in there but what are we putting in that bank? the account that will follow us and stay with us in our grave and give us company imagine how lonely it will be in the grave the loneliness would kill people alive or dead that's why the Prophet ﷺ, he made specific prayers like make my stay and my time in my grave not so lonely but give me a good lovely company and we understood from many hadith that it was your our deeds your good deeds that will give you the best of company in your grave and then of course beyond that that is the law that will really matter that will be placed on the mizan on the scale and that you will be so delighted to see like saying ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan rasulullah that will be so bright and heavy on your scale and you will say that was easy to say didn't cost any money and it didn't take much time i wish i said it more times before i died but the time is up and you can't take beyond what you earned in one only one exception and that exception is to establish a permanent endowment sadaqa jariya for which you will still be credited yeah money will still come the good yeah the reward will keep coming to your account even after you have passed away to the degree that the ulama said we actually only truly die and end this worldly life of ours our existence when our progeny have stopped praying for us and when all the endowments whether it's trees fruit trees or books or hospitals or public roads infrastructure whatever it is that you have established or helped in establishing 
a great idea that is still basically used or some tool that you have developed that is still used or an extension of that tool that is still used it is only when that stops working for you and in your name that you have ceased to exist from, from this dunya and especially in terms of your account of your good deeds some scholars say maybe analogy works here if you establish something wrong and you cause the chain of wrong things by your behavior you might also be blamed after you have gone but they not all agree with this because whenever you whenever anyone commits a sin it's still their own choice isn't it we do it out of our own free volition so i can't really blame my parents if i lie now i can't blame them for anything really or my children or neighbors or the society as a whole but with good deeds yes the quran said that more than once hadith said it and you know in a way like you can say this hadith is more general but your progeny will go back they won't stay with you but they can pray for you and the prophet here he confirmed that your child as long as they pray for you, you will see the fruits and the reward, the benefit of their prayer. So this is a mighty life lesson really that we find in this hadith. And let's take it like that as the first thing that we learned from it. It's really uh, a reality check that you can have in this hadith. That's the first thing. Secondly, this hadith of course also encourages us to do as many good deeds as possible okay so like i just said saying saying subhanallah alhamdulillah you know, just take your whisper out and do even now like you can say zikr in your mind or if you like to focus more on what i'm saying then do that but it's also like a kind of zikr we are studying our sacred scripture together and we believe angels have covered us and they pray on our behalf now as we are reading this beautiful hadith saying of our beloved Prophet So the hadith really is a strong encouragement for all of us to organize our time even more better than we are doing so far by now. So we need to basically, uh, I remember one of my teachers who was one of the oldest teachers, he didn't study in, you know, like modernized schools. He studied in traditional way. He was too old for modern education. But he was actually the best in terms of time management, discipline, uh, quantity of homework, uh, consistency, name it. All the traits and qualities that define a true professional today. He was the best. He never entered a modern university. He was the one who used to push me like Sayyad, did you, how was your day today? Did you plan your day properly? And did you follow your plan? How many slip-ups did you have? Or could you tick everything you planned on your day uh, schedule? And he was really keen on it. And in the evening, if I went to read Quran to him or something, he would question me. How was the day? And he really meant like everything. Did you learn something new? Because I was a student of his. Allah give him Jannatul Firdaus and I learned quite a lot from him. He was a 60, 70 year old. 
and he will basically always push me to work even harder, like give new commitment, make a new resolution, you know, aspire even higher, commit to something better than that. You can do it. Like I remember some of them saying, you got to study at Oxford or Cambridge. I can't do that. You got to. And I just applied and I got admitted and I'm here now in Cambridge by their encouragement. I never believed in it, but they encouraged me. So it seems like we all have equal opportunity when it comes to earning good deeds, really. 24-7, not more, not less of our time. It's just down to us, how do we plan and organize our timetable? And what do we fill it with? Are we still reading Quran and learning Quran? Are we still studying Quran? Are we still, you know, doing some kind of PDP, personal development program? Yeah, I got the PhD, I got this, I got that. But you don't stop there. You constantly need to work on yourself and develop, develop more and more. And then when you screen through all your goals that you set up on a daily or monthly or yearly basis, how many of those things that you would like to achieve will matter for you when this moment comes, when you're being carried to your grave? And then even beyond that, for the judgment day. I'm afraid most of us, we have really high aspirations to become prominent, I can't wait to become the Vice-Chancellor of Cambridge University. I can't even become a lecturer at any department with ease. Why is that my highest aspiration? Don't I want to be next to my beloved Prophet Ali in Jannah? Isn't that our goal? Don't we want, you know, we are believers in Allah. And that belief in Allah will carry on forever. But do you and I want to constantly believe in Allah and it's always like a secret for us? Well, Allah, we believe in you and we know that you can see us, but we can't see you, but we would like to see you. And then you die and you go off past judgment day and still you can't see Allah because you didn't worship him with sincerity. He's going to judge you. You can't deny him. There's no point in denying him because you can hear him judging you. But he's not going to manifest himself to you. Because you didn't deserve the ultimate reward of Jannah. But we want to do to deserve the ultimate reward of Jannah. Which is to look at our Lord. And we believe in Him and there we can see Allah. Like we see a full moon on a clear night. That is the delight of our eyes and hearts and everything that really matters. And we will only achieve that and being the best of companies, if we think of our account of our good deeds and also account of our bad deeds. Oh, what do you mean, Maulana? Yeah, we of course have to also screen through the account of bad deeds. Let's not fool ourselves and say we don't have it. We have both accounts. But you go through it and say to yourself, Oh Allah, I turned to you, I repented to you, and I sought forgiveness, and I promised to you I will not go back to the same sin of mine. But yet again, the next day, I went back to it. Now I need to repent for that promise as well, and say, Allah, please help me, and forgive me the sin that I repented from, and promised you not to go back to it, but yet again I went to it. But as long as you keep turning to Allah and seeking His forgiveness, yes, Allah will forgive you. And that, that account of your bad deeds, inshallah ta'ala, can be almost erased before you leave this dunya. 
There is no worries over there. And if there are things that are there, at least the account of good deeds will be bigger, heavier, mightier, greater. And then you have every chance again, by Allah's grace and mercy, to be granted the entry to Jannah straight away. Inshallah. May Allah allow us to enter Jannah without reckoning and attain the highest degree, inshallah. So this hadith really encourages us to, you know, balance our lives so that it's not all about dunya. We don't have to completely detach ourselves from dunya. We, we live in it. We depend on several things in this worldly life and we are entitled to that much. We are allowed to have a bit more as well to have a comfortable life. But we shouldn't certainly, you know, spend all of our effort and energy and intelligence and time and resources on accumulating more and more of dunya and attaching ourselves more and more onto it so that you know the deed of your properties you, like you are a huge landlord is like miles and miles long it's all in your name but you forgot that those properties that are under your name and the land which is under your name has already got a much longer list of owners who own that before you and we'll have another huge long list of different owners that will own that after you. None of you will take it with yourself. None of you. You'll just take your deeds with you. That's it. So, you know, we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we now commit to be doing something that will benefit us beyond this worldly life of ours. That was the second benefit. And there is one more. Um, yeah, so they said basically, uh, based on this hadith and other hadith, we really understand this notion that our stay in Qabr is the next phase of our existence. And everyone that will be born will also die. And they will all go to their grave on their own. Okay, even those you say, okay, but if they don't have a grave, they have a grave. Wherever they, end, they ended up dying, even if they are deep, deep in the oceans, that's like their grave. Okay? It's not the matter of coffin or soil and this and that. It's the face of existence and everyone will be in that face. So, on one hand, of course, we understand that the time that we understand in this worldly life of ours is like going to be a long time staying in the grave. And the grave will also have the sensations of good reward but also punishment so that is why the prophet ali every time he prayed almost in his formal prayer he sought refuge in allah and every morning when he woke up he prayed to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect him from the punishment of grave min azab al qabr and then he would say wa nar or jahannam so the prophet very regularly every morning Okay, and in the evening, and in the formal prayers in the tashahud, yeah, in the last part of tashahud, he would often seek refuge on those, on those three points. One is the trials of this life, which some of them are really hidden, not obvious. So fitna til haya in life, but there's also fitna of mamat, the trial of dying. It's like fitna, okay, and then he will say. Azab al-Qabr and Azab al-Nahr. He prayed, he made dua against those things. So, we follow in his way and we also seek refuge. 
So what the scholars concluded based on this hadith and others is like, you will not be lonely, you will not be punished because your good deeds will accompany you and give you lovely company in your grave and in a way decorate your residence. But that's why we say it doesn't matter where somebody died, whether they are found or not and buried. It is the most dignified way to wash the body and then bury them. Pray funeral prayer and then bury them. But if that doesn't happen, it's not possible because look, there are sometimes natural calamities and disasters and wars. People are somewhere under the ruins. Nobody can, can uh, reach to them and bury them in a dignified way. Still, their good deeds will decorate their place of residence, which is the waiting time before the judgment day begins. So on one hand, it seems like that is a very important phase of our existence. But on the other hand, it seems like when it comes to the life after death, this time framework which we understand in this worldly life doesn't really apply. So it seems like the first person that was born, Sayyidina Adam, and the first person that died, and the very last person that will be born and that will die, their waiting period in the Qabr, until the resurrection day, will appear like as if it was just an hour. Nothing. And that's what the Quran strikingly says. The Quran says, when the, when the trumpet is blown, isn't it? First blow and the second, everything will die. And then everything will be resurrected, come to life again. So the, the hadith indicates that even though some people have stayed in their grave much longer than others, it will appear as if they were born just recently and they died just a little moment ago, a little while ago. And then the judgment day will take place and that in itself is a very long time, very long time. But again, the, 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 the time frame is different from even the grave time. And once the judgment day is ended, is over, then there is only eternity. And then time doesn't matter anymore because it's forever. And what is also forever? Your good deeds. That also has a time scale that will last forever. Okay? Lifetime, your good deeds and your soul. So that is why we feed and nourish our souls by doing as many good deeds as we possibly can. So this hadith indeed is a mighty lesson. Uh, that we learn uh, from our beloved Prophet والسلام, So I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we spend our times like he prayed. Oh Allah give us long lives but filled with righteousness. We have long lives so that we can earn as many good deeds as possible. And we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us to attain righteousness and sincerity us and our families. And then when it comes to our wealth, oh Allah just as we want you to purify ourselves, our souls purify our wealth. Enable us to give out zakat, to give sadaqah, to purify that, not to have doubts in it. And, O oh Allah, enable us to spend the wealth and, and, and whatever we have of material possessions for good causes so that even after we have died, there'll be many assets and endowments and good people, especially our children and progeny that will remember us and others in, with good, pray for us, 
and that will benefit other people behind us so that we can also credit yeah, benefit from that and we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also to forgive us our mistakes our sins and our shortcomings and we pray to him to grant us the highest level in Jannah in the company of our beloved Prophet Ali salatu and other prophets and messengers of Allah and truly sincere servants of Allah and the shuhada أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله العظيم لي ولكم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم سبحانك اللهم نستغفرك ونتوب إليك ونصلي ونسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وزدنا من فضلك وجودك علما وتعليما اللهم أغننا بالعلم وزينا بالحلم وأكرمنا بالتقوى وجملنا بالعافية يا أرهم الراهمين ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد إذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمة إنك أنت الوهاب اللهم ربنا برحمتك نستغيث أصلح لنا شأننا كله ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين يا رحيم يا رحمن قلوبنا بين إسبعيك الكريمتين تقلبها كيف تشاء فثبت قلوبنا على دينك وطاعتك ومحبتك ورضاك يا رب العالمين ويا أرحم الراهمين يا الله يا ذا الجلال والإكرام والعزة التي لا ترام سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين الفاتح